The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Nebraska Preps postgame with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. Yep, you heard the big voice guys, Nebraska Preps postgame. That's Jacob Padilla, the guy affectionately dubbed JP. I'm old DB. We are back again and... Listen, no shortage of uh, good stuff to talk about. Let's start, let's go out west, relatively speaking, and talk Heartland Hoops Classic. We'll come back to the Metro here shortly. Start with Friday night. Yeah. Uh, Bellevue West and Sunrise Academy. Bellevue West, in my opinion, and a law shows well. Absolutely. And uh, I think both. Both games there were kind of just a great showcase of what Nebraska can do, uh, what the top teams can do. And obviously Sunrise didn't have Kennedy Chandler, their five-star point guard, who's had Tennessee. He didn't make the trip this weekend, which a little disappointing. would have liked to see him and Chucky Hepburn go at it, but they're still absolutely stacked with talent. And Bellevue West was right there with them, and then it just kind of slipped away at the end. So um, great showing by Bellevue West and – Man, that is a really talented Sunrise team. Yeah, I tell you what, they've got options. And, you know, it's interesting when you watch them play, there's a couple of different ways uh, they they can get you. I was pretty impressed with how they're able to not let Bellevue West dictate the pace, right? You've got, a, obviously, a new starter at point guard. Uh, made some mistakes early, but he settled in for Sunrise. Made some plays. Um, for them, it just... Just a lot of different ways that they can skin you. Yeah, and I, I think the foul trouble that Kenny Poto, uh, who's headed to Minnesota 6'11", made a big difference. Not necessarily, he only had four points, but they ran a lot of their offense through him um, up at the top of the key because his ability to kind of step out and shoot, in addition to make that pass over the top. And uh, that's, that's what they did in the second half is they just went high-low with Poto and 6'10", Zach Clements, who's – heading to Kansas, and Bellevue West just didn't have an answer for that. I mean, William Kyle's doing his best, but he's 6-7 there battling. And um, when they finally, in the fourth quarter, when they started to, to send help to the backside, is kicked it out to Jaden Akins off the bench, and uh, he had, went 2-4, 5 for 5 from the, four, uh, from the field in the fourth quarter with three threes, and that was just it. They weren't able to kind of get enough stops to get back into it. Just, yeah, Akins can flat out shoot it. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um but as you just mentioned, finish strong. Size for size against Bell West works uh, when you take care of the basketball. That was kind of the difference, in my opinion, against Sunrise. Yeah, and that's kind of I pointed out like ball pressure. I, I thought was one of the biggest ball pressure and Bellevue West shooting uh, the three well were the two biggest keys to the game for me because somebody asked me what I thought Bellevue West had to do. And the problem is when it's a six eleven guy out there making that entry pass, yep. you can't really pressure that. Yep, there is no yeah, there's no entry denial, there's no ball pressure. I mean, they can just rise up and 
you know, and play catch and, and pass over your head, which is pretty much what, what Sunrise did. Yeah, and but, heck, uh, LV West did a great job really battling for much of the game. William Kyle offensively had a great first half, 10 points, um, really finished well. And then Frankie Feather, again, continues to show well. Coming off that Waukee game, playing against a team with a couple of high major caliber wings, he looked like the best wing on the court. And in this game, again, he tied uh, Clements for game high with 20 points. And uh, he, I've been really impressed with kind of his development as a finisher around the basket. He's not the longest guy, not the most explosive, but he's got such good touch and figures out the angles and the, the, the way to get shots up off the glass and in. And he, he had one finish that was absolutely absurd. And then he hit a, a fadeaway. Was it where, the reverse? Yeah, yeah. yeah like just <laughs> kissed it perfectly yeah. off the backboard to where it, off the glass and in. That was a tough shot. He yeah. is, I felt like, a little bit like St. Thomas, and we'll get to him in a second. Um, I always feel like I have to explain my affinity for, for them as a player. That's kind of like Frankie Fiddler. Again, a lot of people tell me what he isn't, right? And in a similar vein with St., well, you know, the ceiling is too close to the four. Not an elite-level athlete. Not sure how he handles it. Listen, all I know is he's a winner, and when he plays against good competition, he elevates his game. He is extremely competitive, and he's not afraid to step on your throat. Omaha, as it stands right now, is getting a good one in Frankie Fittler. Yeah, and he's a perfect fit for what they want to do with his ability to leak out, get to the basket in the open court. Um, he gets himself, He's crafty. He's a great cutter in the half court, yeah. and obviously he can shoot. So he does all the things that Darren Hansen wants his teams to do, particularly that 3-4 spot. Um, and then Chucky Hepburn, <laughs> kind of another typical Chucky Hepburn I said this. I don't think I've ever seen anybody, like in the however many years I've been doing this, better at taking the ball away from his man than Chucky. His yeah. timing, his footwork, his hand-eye coordination. Like, a couple of times that fourth quarter, you could see, like, I'm taking this ball. <laughs> and then he went and did it. Yep. <laughs> we, we need a turnover. We've we got to find a way to get a stop here. And he takes matters into his own hands. I had him with six steals in the game. I'm just telling you, if you let him get into the fourth quarter with three or less fouls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> it is... I mean, really, the greatest equalizer for him when he's guarding you is you have to hope he's in some sort of yep. foul trouble where he can't take chances because if you let him play carefree and kind of loosey-goosey defensively, he's going to get you a time or two. And then he had that, that block, that chase-down yeah. block in the fourth quarter as well, just kind of showing the kind of player he is and led to a Frankie Feather three that kind of that cut it to six late in the fourth quarter. And then, again, Sunrise was able to hold on, but they, they Bellevue West – did not let them get comfortable at any point in that game. Yeah, quality quality basketball game by two quality programs. And not to be outdone with, with number 16 ranked Oak Hill and Millard North uh, on Saturday. And once again, Millard North shows well against a national caliber opponent. Yeah, and in this game last year, uh, they played IMG. Kind of similar to what we saw with Bobby West. Put up a great fight. Um, kept kept in it until the very end, but just didn't have enough to be able to to pull out the win. Uh, Hunter South and St. Thomas they weren't going to go. They weren't going to experience that again. Those guys just absolutely went off, put their team on their backs, yeah. and made sure they were going to win that game. So I tell you, and and here's the deal: we kind of alluded to this the last couple of weeks. We said, "Oh my goodness, you know Hunter Salas is he's coming." Well, Hunter Salas is apparently pretty motivated. Oh, these last couple of weeks. Saturday, kind of the culmination, he showed you the full repertoire, the total gamut, efficient scoring the basketball, 
looked good defending uh, more times than not and got by with a little help from his friend, the consummate Robin in St. Thomas, who has become the spot-up catch-and-shoot shooter on a good team. Yeah, that, I mean, they, they could not have got off to a better start. They jumped out 18-6. to St. knocked down his first four threes, and then Hunter got in there and uh, knocked one down as well. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> this, they're, they're playing well tonight. They certainly yeah. came to play. Cooled off a bit after that, but found other ways to score. And Hunter, man, I was just kind of looking at the other day. Um, over his last, he's, we talked about, I think, last week about him starting to pick it up. Yep. Over his last nine, he's averaging 26 a game on 64% shooting. Over his last 12 games, he's at 41% from three. He was two or three in this game again and knocked down uh, a key one in the fourth quarter after um, uh, Oak Hill took the lead, came back down, knocked it down. Uh, give them the lead, and then they never trailed after that point. So, yeah, and and I don't want, I, don't misconstrue it, and don't kid yourself. The more wide open the game is, and the the fewer the whistles yeah. blow, the better Hunter Salas is. I don't I don't care who he's playing against. He's now proven to me he rises to the occasion. We saw it last year on the summer circuit, the year before on the summer circuit when he kind of burst onto the scenes. He was really just getting started. And now, once again, against high-level caliber national competition, he shows out. And finished with game-high 32, only 4-6 four, four, from the free throw line. He wasn't, like, he did all that work from the field. Uh, and I believe only took, was it 19 shots? I, I had him 13 for 21. 21, okay. Field, two or three from three. Um, he, five boards, a key block at the end, and he, he was talking after it, too. Because yeah, you that, know what, and that's different. If you haven't yes. watched him before... A little more He's, vocal yes. on the court Saturday than he has been at any point in his career. Well, and Cameron Carter, Oak Hill's number five, <laughs> yeah. was giving it right back to him. So that's, I think, what kind of fired up. That kid was uh, chatting the whole game, and yep. he had five points. So, uh, Hunter, yeah, that was that was a big play. I'm, I'm glad they kind of let him play because it's like, ooh, the way he went back I, at I him to talk. I thought that was a tough block. game to officiate. Oh, right? with that high-level athletes and – I'll tell you the tempo, yeah, the up and down, the back and forth. It's well officiated. Well officiated. MJ Rice, uh, Oak Hill's best player. You can yeah. see five star junior. You can see why he's rated as highly as he was. He had twenty six points. He was just bowling his way to the rim through the first three quarters. Did how about not, that? How about yeah. that third quarter? Yeah. Well, he had thirteen, 13 in the third th- quarter. Yeah. yeah. Um, thirteen in the first half, then thirteen in the third quarter. He took over. Uh, got to the free throw line a couple of times and knocked down a three, and then just finished. He was just going through guys. In the fourth quarter, though, uh, credit to Miller North. They took, he fouled out on two offensive fouls. Yeah. They finally realized what he was doing and decided, all right, I'm going to stand in here. I'm going to take this hit, yep. and we're going to go the other way. Yeah, not a big fan of bullying ball, especially when you try to play with some space and pace. It, it, it mucks the game up. Yeah. It kind of bogs it down. I, I saw a little bit of that in the Central West Side game. It was kind of driving me crazy, especially once Central started to ta- stay attached to shooters out there on the wings. You see that a lot now with people trying to create driving lanes. It it turns into a little bit of isolation, but you know you get to about the sixth or seventh dribble, <laughs> and it's yeah. too much. Yes, <laughs> get rid of it, and it and it caught up with Rice. Well, and with, with Oak Hill too. Uh, it, we need to say this: this is not the same level of Oak Hill that came here, that Central beat in the first year that team. Yeah, that was that fourteen. 2014? Uh, uh, 2013. 2013. That was, that was the first year before I started doing yeah. this, so I missed that. Uh, but that, that Oak Hill team was significantly more talented than this one. 
That being said, this is still a top 20 team nationally. It's still a powerhouse. They've still got multiple high major kids. So the fact that Miller North was able to go out there and uh, they looked like they should have won this game the whole time. Yeah. It, it got a little dicey for a couple minutes, but every time that happened, they answered and they, they took control right back. And uh, we, we talked about Hunters. Saint uh, knocked off, knocked out those four threes right out the gates and then was fine playing uh, distributor for a while. I had him with eight assists in the game. And then in the fourth quarter, he had some huge buckets and went up in two, four, six, seven of eight from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. So he finished with 29, six boards, eight assists, four steals. Uh, he had a key steal where kind of poked it free and then dove on the ball to get uh, possession for his team, gave it up to Jaden Johnson, and he threw it ahead and uh, t- to Hunter for a layup. So like that, that is an absolutely huge play. And it's nothing but hustle in a key moment by, again, a guy that he was – we know he's kind of one of your leading scorers to go out and do, make that kind of play. That was huge. So it's interesting, right? Because you see teams kind of elevate and play differently given the level of competition. You almost get the sense if Millard North brings that same type of energy and tenacity, those games could look different against Bell West. But the variable is the way that Bellevue West understands how to attack Millard North and and control tempo. Yeah. It's all about matchups. And that's kind of the, the, the deal with these showcase matchups where you got these powerhouses coming in. They're not, they're not studying film for a yeah. week. They're just roll the ball out. Let's go play. Um, and so you, you don't really know the, the weaknesses to the same degree, the, the cracks that you can exploit to the same degree that a team like Bellevue West has that has played them multiple times over the last few years and kind of knows the full scouting report. So it gives you a chance to kind of just go out and play and let individual players show what they're capable of and how good they can be. And this game last year, that IMG game, that was the first game um, where I like saw Hunter, because that was kind of in the midst of when he was rising up yep. towards the top. Yep. That's the first game I saw. I was like, okay, yeah, this he kid, belongs. He belongs. That's exactly, that's the, the phrasing that uh, I thought as well. He belongs on this court with these five stars, these kids going to Duke and wherever else. It's it's interesting, right? It's almost, I don't know if you look at this as a negative or a positive, but for Hunter, it's almost like whenever he gets ready. And now some detractors will say, hey, listen, you know, you need to, you know, every game out, and this is how it's got to be. And the reality of it is when you're 16, 17 years old, and he's got a birthday coming up here uh, at the end of March, which coincidentally will be the announcement date, he's still growing and emerging in that role. Remember, we're talking about a kid that didn't start his eighth or ninth grade year yeah. for his respective team. So he's still... He's still growing into that role. And it's not, they're not going through the same thing that college teams are, but like still playing basketball in a pandemic, there's still a lot of extra stuff you have to do. You have to worry about all that going on. Like I'm not going to fault kids that aren't necessarily able to get up to a hundred percent every single time out there. It's a long season, but as we've talked about, we know Hunter South is playing his best basketball of the season heading into the postseason. That's all you need. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, we'll, we'll close out real, real quick with, with Grand Island before we get into the Metro because Isaac Trout, another high-level uh, recruit against Class B's number one ranked team in Mount Michael, a little bit of a grinder. You felt like if this game was played in the 40s, advantage Grand Island, that held serve, right? Even. Okay. Caleb Brink did his best to kind of do his part, but but too much trout and and too much efficiency from the foul line, uh, I think, especially in the second half for Grand yeah. Allen. 
47-40 was the final there, and I will say, Mount Michael, they did a great job on like Trout limiting well. him. They had uh, they got a lot of switchable guys that were being really physical with him off the ball. They weren't letting him get loose for most of the game. Um, and he had, what, 13 points in the first three quarters, and then only made three shots. So he got to the foul line a, a couple of times, but they did a great job of limiting him. Fourth quarter, though, he got loose for a three, and got a steal and a, and a dunk, I think it was, and then finished it off from the free throw line, uh, four for four. And they, they only missed one free throw the entire game. Yeah, 13 of um, 14 as yeah. a team, and he himself was nine of nine. Yeah, so Trout finished with 22. The, the problem was, but again, 47 points. Typically, that should be good enough. Mount Michael just could not get it going offensively. They just could not get shots followed. 16 of 45 from the field. Yeah, no good easy looks for Bradley yeah. Bennett um, on the night. He's kind of, in my opinion, he's the catalyst. In a game like that that's kind of high profile, he's the guy that you kind of expect to emerge as the score. And 13 points between Bennett and Joe Schoenard. And how far they go in Class B we'll be that is tandem. going to be those two. I agree. Can they bring it? Can they put the team on their backs offensively? Caleb Brink, he didn't play great, but he still had a double-double with 11 and 15 rebounds. Like He did what he could with uh, kind of – the big bodies Grand Island has in there, they do have some size. Yeah, and they, they allowed him to be touched, too. Uh, yeah. There was it's a little bit of banging in the paint, which I felt like, hey, that's okay, let him play. And Iron Lopez, nine points, seven boards, four assists. Like, he did what he could do. Like, it's, it's Brad and it's Joe. Those are the guys that are capable of creating offense for this team, and they just could not get it going against Grand Island. Yeah, we hop over to the Metro. The showcase game uh, that we talked about last week was Central and Westside. Um it's not a not an aesthetically pleasing game to watch. Central didn't take the lead until forty nine forty eight. Uh, Westside feels like they let one get away. Central had to spend a lot of energy. Uh, I felt like they were clutch late. Jay Dawson oh, had a great four second, minute stretch. Yeah. You wonder why he didn't get more touches. <laughs> um, you wonder that why that you wonder that a lot actually. Uh, he had a great four minute stretch where I felt like he kind of put the team on his back, but. Not to be overlooked, he got a lot of help from Jared Marshall, who I felt like took really good care of the basketball. He was going against a very good defender, uh, got him in foul trouble. I felt like his ability to take care of the basketball when it was kind of dicey, they didn't have a ton of empty trips late, yeah. not near as many as they had early. And, yeah. They turned it over a ton in the first half yeah. uh, and shored that up. And I felt like, you know, the best offensive player on the floor took that game over. Yeah, and it that that was the problem. Like they were an absolute mess offensively in the first half. Just like, like what are you doing? Type of turnovers. It wasn't even like they were being pressured into uh, getting the balls. Like it was just bad decisions and careless passes and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, they kind of shored that up in the first in the second half. And PJ Davis, I thought, kind of kept them in it in the first half. And fantastic point. Being right there. aggressive and going to the rim, yep. not settling for threes. He he put the ball in the deck. He cut hard to the rim for some catch and finish layups. Had a couple of good drives there, but nobody else was really going. He was the one that kind of kept them within striking distance. So when a couple other guys got going, particularly Dawson in the second half, then they were able to kind of take control and take the lead. Fantastic point on PJ Davis because, and we've talked about him for about five or six weeks now. He's a guy that's capable of a lot. Yeah. He kind of gets boxed into this stationary shooter type, kind of the three-point specialist. But he puts it on the deck. He's a big body. He's a strong body. And he took advantage of some of the smaller guards. It was There was a little bit of mouse-in-the-house mentality. 
when he put it on the deck. And that's if you let him get a straight line drive, it's over because he's so long. Uh, he's got a big body. He can get his shoulders past you and kind of put you on his hip and go up and finish and finish in different ways. He had some really crafty finishes too. So um, that was huge. And Westside offense was just such a struggle. Without Tate Advody, they did not have enough guys that were looking to be aggressive and that the defense had to respect. You see, that's the thing where they're capable. It's just that they have guys that settle and – when Central decided in the second half, you could tell it was a concerted effort. They're going to stay attached to shooters. They'll let the individual drives happen, you know, kind of back down the dribble, 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 dribble. Maybe you get a weak, you get weak side help with, with Denim Johnson, who is very good at erasing shots at the rim. You stay attached to everybody else, and it played right into Central's hands. Westside with four field goals, I believe, in the second half. Everything else came from the foul line. Um, and just allowed Central to just kind of chip away. Westside's got to find a way to not stand around and ball watch. When you play that kind of five-out offense, this is too much dribbling. It it shouldn't turn into isolation, and too often um, we see that happen, and they they don't finish around the rim near as much, near as well as they should, you know, with layup attempts, I think, to make a living doing that. Yeah, and what, 37 of their 50 were from Chandler Meeks and Reggie Thomas, and Payson Gillespie is the only one that took more than three shots. Yep. Nobody else was really looking, and even like. And, a, and an efficient shooting night between Chandler and Reggie is not going to get it done. I think they were six of 20, or nine of 29 combined, maybe? Something. Uh, worse than that. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at this, I think they were nine of 26 nine. inside the arc. Inside the arc. <laughs> and two of eight from three. Yeah, see, that's not going to get it done. No. It's not going to get it done. Um, and so that, and that's the problem where you fall into right now is if Gillespie's not hot, where's that third score? And you're right. And, and so the thing that I think Coach Simons has to understand or the players have to understand, uh, in particular other good shooters, right? We could talk about Caleb. You, ha- you can't be reluctant to go get the ball and score. Like yeah. you, you have to be able to score the basketball. Charlie Davis starting to shoot the ball better um, as of late. Really get some good open looks, especially when those guards can get into the lane. But for Westside, it's two things. And I probably know them as well as anybody uh, in this state is too much one-on-one and not enough getting the ball ahead. It's amazing how many times they get a rebound and they dribble the basketball. Just the inability to outlet the ball and go get easy buckets is maddening to watch because they're a smaller team. So I don't know why they would be interested in getting in the half court. Yes. Get the ball out of your hands and look up. It's, I mean, they do it to themselves. I, there's, there's, you know, there's really no, they, they do it to themselves. They, they, you dribble too much and you don't move the ball on a five out offense. You better hope you make threes. If you don't, you get what you got. And that's kind of what I thought Westside was going to be this year. Pace and space, drive, kick, drive, kick, not rain threes. And it's just been much we, more They of a drive struggle. a ton, they but kick it doesn't a lot. Al- yeah, it doesn't <laughs> always go, um, go well. But, yeah, so that's kind of – and we talked about, like, I think we underrated uh, how difficult it is to make the leap from guy to the guy. Yep. And that's what Reggie and Chandler are trying to do right now. And they don't have the same – and kind of this offense worked so well for them last year with their personnel because you had shooters everywhere and you had guys like uh, uh, 
Um, it was hard to contest yeah, at Jayden, the rim yeah. when you have when you have you know uh, when when you have a Jaden Booth and a and a Carl PJ Gabby and, and, yeah. and a Carl Brown right where Carl could stretch you he'd pull your big away from there was no real rim protection and you could get a lot of those drives. and Chandler and Reggie were forty percent as spot up guys last year so you when had you're five the third shooters. or fourth option yeah. you get good looks yeah, right so. they're getting the fourth and fifth best defenders where. This year, they're getting the first and second yep. best defenders. I'm still a little confused on how to round out the back half. Well, I'm going to go ahead and slot Pius and Papillion next, right? Are we are we safe there or not so much? I see, I don't know what to think of Central now because they they make this comeback up. And then they, and turn, then they turn around and lose and, to North Star. And it wasn't that close. But I tell you what, they had to be gassed. That's true. They spent a ton of energy trying to come back in that game. They only played really seven guys. Yeah. Um, and they had to be fairly spent. You turn right around and play North Star on the road. That happens, right? So I... And I think we think North Star is capable, but their bench is has been less than spectacular as well. Yeah, and that's the tough thing when you got three guys that have eighty to ninety percent of your offensive production. Yep. You would think that team would be a little bit easy. And it, um, Brennan Clemens, six seven sophomore, he's he kind of he's, he's, like, be, he's become a mystery. And he only had like ten twelve points. So it was yeah. it was the guards that were doing. And you would think those are the guys that you're equipped to handle well. He's an elite-level talent. We haven't really seen elite-level performance over time yet. He shows you flashes, nothing yet over the long haul. Yeah, and obviously missing the whole freshman year, yeah. so it's kind Set of been catch-up all this year. Looking forward to seeing him play this summer because he, he took off last summer as well because it's like everything that was going on. So, And if he lands where I think he'll land with that organization, he will be playing with shooters yes. and playmakers. He will have space if he wants it, if he if if he lands where we think he lands. Yeah, so it would be good for him to just continue to play basketball after missing as much time as he did to kind of just continuous, all right, through the season, into the summer, kind of continue to round out his game, find out what his strengths are, uh, and then head into a second half of his career, which should be pretty darn good. And then we've, we're we we're just putting him in a hat with, with, with 8, 9, 10. Can we agree that the top seven will go with Papillion, with, uh, Westside, and Millard? Wes? Yeah, I think so. That's, I think that, yeah, that, that's probably it right there. And then after that, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. You can pick a name out of hat, yeah. like you said, for any of those, 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 those last three spots because it seems different each week. If, got, if, if, yeah. we, if we cut the season off today, the top eight would be Millard North, Bellevue West, Pius, Creighton Prep, Central, Millard West, Westside, Papio yeah. would be your top eight. Anything in there where you're thinking, gosh, that's that's kind of interesting. It may surprise some people that, and it's a slight lead. Millard West with a slight lead over Westside, even though Westside won the head-to-head. And an almost even slighter lead for Westside over Papio, and Westside won that one head-to-head. That's that's how the wild card point works. It It does. It depends on your schedule, and... um, and I think that that's that's the top eight at this point. I think so. Um, you got what Southeast, Carney, um, Northeast, Northeast, and then Papio South and Gretna kind of rounding that net next group. And I we'll see if Southeast can kind of finish the season strong here. Um, I think they're, they're, the they're second they're most of, talented team in the league. Kind of in an, I'm still not sure how they feel they're playing when they're playing well offensively. Yeah, they're they're pretty disjointed. I do think they can defend. 
I'm and, trying to figure out how they want to play offensively. And they'll get a, uh, a rematch with Pius here on Tuesday coming up after um, kind of getting run off the floor in, in the hack final. I was at that game. They did a great job of defending Ajante Hogan and Jake Applegate. Um, those two guys have to show up more in this game to give themselves a chance. So chance to prove themselves coming up here on Tuesday. Speaking of proving themselves, and they're right on the cusp. I don't think they can make a move, but Papiola Vista South is at 11 right now, I believe, in, in wild card points. No Denier Dempsey, yeah. but Brokel has really elevated his game. Now, he was already a handful. Yeah. But the last three games out, I, I, I he was, looks yeah. like a different player. I was at that Elkhorn South game, um, and Elkhorn South took the lead early. They were kind of leading the whole way, and then he just took over. And in the fourth quarter, he uh, scored almost. So Graham Kassut knocked down a jumper. Um, early in, in the quarter. And then Brokale either scored or assisted basically the rest of their points outside of some, some free throws. Um, he hit three shooters for threes, I believe, um, and scored a couple of tough buckets himself during that stretch where they took control and then kind of held on to win. He finished with, what, 28 or something like that, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then right. he goes for 32 the next night out, I believe. I think he went 26, 28, 32, something. <laughs> and, one, and those are the three numbers in some order. I mean – and and I've and I asked Caleb early. I said, you know, I said, who have been the toughest matchups thus far? You know, and he talked about Hausman from Columbus. Obviously, a bigger, yeah. stronger kid. He had to guard, and Brokell was right there. He said they're one and one a. Well, he, he's six three, six four, and he is so physical. He will. He's not a guy that's going to cross you up and get past you. Deceptive he's gonna go bounce, through you. though. Oh yeah, he's going to go through <laughs> you, and he's crafty around that basket. He's got great touch to go finish over the top. Like, he's a tough matchup because, again, he's handling the ball a lot for them and kind of creating his own offense where he's attacking the basket, kind of putting you down, spin, jump hook. Or uh, Is there a team that's not in the top eight right now? This is a huge weekend. Uh, you know, Central's got the big ones. They have Bellevue West and Prep. Um, really got a chance to, to, to make a move. Gretna's got West Side. Uh, Prep has – or, excuse me, Prep has Miller North as well. Which team – is it Prep or Central you think has a chance to to kind of assert themselves? I think it's I think it's a huge opportunity for Prep right with, now with, with Central and yeah, Miller North. Yes, because they are behind Pius in, in the point standings right now. Uh, good and call. Good call. I, I think we've kind of felt like Prep's that number three team just in terms of talent and what we feel about their team. But again, they're fourth right now. They'd be the fourth seed, um, and so they've got a chance with two two of the best teams I'll play all year. Um, this week to close out the season, and if they if they can get they they got to go at least one for, one out of two for those games. If they can get both, now you're like we saw that Bellevue West game for Prep was like that was their chance to say all right we belong here. Now if they can get it done against Miller North, especially the way they're playing right now, now that that would be a real statement. They have a chance to be a really good defensive matchup against Miller North if Miller North kind of gets in this mood where they settle. And don't attack the ten, and you let prep kind of settle into their defensive rotations. They can make it measurable for Miller North offensively. And, and that's the thing about prep is they've got two bigs that they can throw at yep. you um, with physicality, with with size, with length, with AJ Rollins and Luke Jungers. And then those three guards, and then a couple of the guys they got coming off the bench, they're really interchangeable defensively, and they can all get after Brendan Buckley, Justin City, Maje Wally. He hasn't even had to use yeah. Bullocks. Now, believe me, Bullocks is a guy that he could bring off the bench just to run and chase and play good defense. Yeah. 
and really wear some of those wings out for Miller North. Coach Ludke has a – you got Evans. Yeah. He's got a ton of options off the bench to really harass those wings in the backcourt. Yeah, so they got – they can rotate all three of those guys on Hunter Salas and kind of just make it tough on him. Uh, it be interesting to see how they kind of do match that up there with Saint uh, and Hunter, kind of who guards who. Um, but they've got a lot of options they can rotate. Again, they're switchable. So th- Prep can, if Prep can take care of the ball and shoot well enough to keep Miller North from getting in the open court, they've got a chance to hang in this and, and make this a real game. How do you see the Central Prep game kind of shaking out? Yeah. Um, Hard to believe you have Bill West in a week and, or Miller North in a week, and it may not be your most important game. It's important, but you you, you got to get the you, – you, when yes. you say one of two, yes. you've got to get yes. that one. you you got to get that one done no matter what, uh, especially, again, the way, the way Central's playing right now. They barely squeak by Westside and then lose that one to, to North Star, um, reeling a little bit. So um, the big guys have got to have a good game. Yeah. You got it's got to be where AJ Rollins did what he did against Westside in that first matchup, where they just didn't have a matchup for him, or a game where Jungers doesn't necessarily float. He he mixes it up between the outside, the inside. Go use that six nine frame to finish inside. Um, that that's going to be the key. They're going to have to uh, assert themselves, use that size advantage against Central, and really force Central to kind of play from behind because that's when you get them sped up. You can make get make some tough decisions, um, can force some things. Uh, and then that's where you get a chance to take control. Hey, real quickly, before we get out of here, next week we're going to cap the girls' districts. We'll talk. We'll be really close to the boys' districts, which we'll see it on the 23rd. I think we'll have a pretty good idea of what's what then. But before we let you go, JP, you okay with the new number one in Class B being the team that resides off 156 in center? Uh. <laughs> I don't know who. Uh, who it's, it's tough. Yeah, right. Nothing to really, you know, be down about if you're Mount Michael. Scott playing at a high level right now, and that's that's the difference. Like Mount Michael, I think has kind of been steady. They, they start, they enter the year as the number one team, most talented team, and they looked it in the opening weekend. I think they've kind of stayed pretty stagnant, whereas Scott has continued to get better throughout the season. And big game against Norris there. Um, it's too bad that, that Mount Michael and Norris game, they weren't able to uh, have that game because yep. that would have made it a little bit easier to At kind of sort out s- that top. It would have been a nice little game for yeah. somebody in wildcard points. Exactly. And it would have been nice to have kind of that extra data point between those three to really figure out um, kind of who belongs where. But, yeah, I, I, it's, it's hard to argue against it. The way they defend as a team and when you've got guys like Charlie Fletcher and Luke Scar kind of leading the way offensively, um, that's going to be tough in Class B for anybody to deal with. So, Scott, Norris, Mount Michael, I think. Put them in a hat. Yeah, they're, they're right there. And then kind of the rest of the Class B, a lot of teams are kind of in that mix there. I think district seeding will those. matter and be much more than it matters in A, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you'll have two or three teams in each district where you're like, that's exactly right. I could see that. Well, I, you, they could make a case. Absolutely. <laughs> Seedings will be important. Uh, wow. That's a fast 30-some-odd <laughs> minutes. A lot to get in there. One of the best in the business, that's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. This is Nebraska Preps Post Game. We'll be back next week. Make sure you tune in. Don't miss us. A Huda Media Production.